Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for this time that we can hear the word. We thank you that your spirit is in this place, for your word says where two or three are gathered together in your name, you are here in our midst. And we thank you that, Holy Spirit, you are our greatest teacher. So take the words that I will be speaking today, and I pray that you would anoint them and that you would bring life to them, and to not only from me saying it, but also to all those who are hearing it. I pray that the word would bring life and would bring change, but especially it will lift up you, Lord Jesus. We thank you and we love you. In your holy name we pray, amen and amen. All right. You know, the, the past few weeks, uh, this month, we've been talking about or going on a series on about our identity in Christ. Amen? So, we, you know, we were talking about different things about our identity in Christ and how, you know, two weeks ago we talked about there are many voices that could determine or, or make us confused with regards to our identity. So our goal is that you would not be confused, amen, that you would know that you know that you know who you are in Christ. As we see, I believe as Jesus is lifted up and as we can see Him clearly and know exactly what He's done for us, then we would know exactly who we are and what we can do because of the finished work of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen? So my question for you today as we begin to this time together is, have you ever wrestled with your identity? I'll ask the question again. Have you ever wrestled with your identity? Now I wanted to take some time and to, to talk about that word wrestled. Because I grew up in a generation that grew up on wrestling. Did anybody, does anybody ever here, can you relate to me? Are you part of that generation that grew up on wrestling? Yeah. Diva. If you smell what the rock is cooking. Diva. Or you do this. I am Anybody ever know this? Or you ever hear or you can't see me? Anybody know that? Is that too old for you? Come on, am I, am I bringing back some memories? You know, just the other day, I was looking at a meme. Anybody know what a meme is? So I was looking at a meme. It was a picture from wrestling. It was, it was the Undertaker. Anybody know who the Undertaker is? He's still wrestling until now. I go, wow, I was still a child. He was wrestling. He's still wrestling. He's still wrestling. eternal yung buhay niya. So I don't know. So you see Undertaker jumping up there and he's about to, to drop, a, I don't know what you call this, a full leg slam on, on the guy's face. And it, say, and it says on the guy on the floor, and I know you, there are four brothers here, Baka, you can relate to this. You know, there's a guy on the floor and the guy says, the youngest sibling taking a nap on the one on the floor. And the one on top, it's saying the older sibling getting bored and not really knowing what to do. Can relate ba? Anybody here as brothers? Can relate? You have nothing to do. You see your younger brother there? Boom! Wah! Boom! And then the younger one is like, oh, mommy! See, I grew up with that. Not watching it, but experiencing it in my life. See, I had an older brother, and I'm just lying down, relaxing, chilling, all of a sudden, boom! Headlock, and then all of a sudden he puts my head between his legs, grabs my feet up. Buti kung kama kung sahig. Biak. 
See, I grew up with that, but that's not the wrestling we're talking about here. When we talk about wrestling with identity, it's not WWE. You know, before it was WWF, now it's WWE. Nahulog yung isang line. Or dinagdagan siya ng isang line. Dati F Federation, when it was a sport. But then how many of you know you realize wrestling is not a sport? It's entertainment. Before we would think, wrestling is fake. No, it's not fake. No, wrestling is not fake. Even today, wrestling is not fake. What they're doing is real. But it's entertainment. It's not a sport. So those of you who love beating up your brothers, relax. One day, they'll be bigger than you. That's all I'm saying. One day, they will be bigger than you. And then you're going to see what's going to happen to you. All right? I outgrew my brother. <laughs> Payback. What you going to do when the macho man? All right, never mind. I'm, I'm, I'm dating myself. All right? So this is not the wrestling what I'm talking about. The wrestling that I'm talking about here is what we call a struggle. And how many of you know if there are many voices speaking into your life, the tendency is you're going to struggle with your identity. There's going to be a struggle between what you believe to be true and what is actual truth. Let me say that again. Because many times in life, if we're not careful, we, we hear so many voices that we end up believing a lie. And we think that that lie is actually truth because we feel it. It feels so real. But how many of you know reality is not truth? Because reality is subject to change, but truth is eternal. It stays the same no matter what's going on in our life. I pray that we know the difference between a reality that may be temporary and a truth that is eternal. And so I want to encourage you today that your identity is not just based on what people say about you or how you feel about yourself, but your identity is founded in Christ. And that's why I want us to look at this verse from the Old Testament to help us, to help us understand about identity and how thy identity can, like I, like I mentioned before, your identity can actually point you in the wrong direction when it comes to your destiny. If you have the wrong identity or understanding of the wrong identity, it can point you in the wrong direction. And that's why we need to establish our identity and be secured in it so that your identity can is like a compass that points us in the right direction in our life so we can fulfill our God-given destiny and God-given calling. Amen? So you ready for the story? If you have your Bibles, open with me to Genesis chapter 32. If you don't, just look at the gigantic Bible behind me. And so let's read this and then let's see where the Lord takes us. Genesis 32, 22 says, And when Jacob arose that night and took his two wives, his two female servants, and his eleven sons, and Jacob crossed over the fjord of Jabok, he took them, sent them over the brook, and sent, them, sent over what he had. Then Jacob was left alone, and a man, capital M. How many of you know when you see capital M, when it refers to a man, it's not just a mere man. It's not a natural man. This is actually, it may actually be a picture 
of Jesus himself. Amen. Then this, and a man wrestled with Jacob until the breaking of day. Now when the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he, the man, touched the socket of Jacob's hip, and the socket of Jacob's hip was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And the man said, let me go for the day breaks. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. So the man said to Jacob, what is your name? And Jacob said, Jacob. And he said, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. For you have struggled with God and with men and have prevailed. Then Jacob said, answered, Jacob asked, saying, tell me your name, I pray. And he said, why is it that you ask about my name? Then the man blessed him right there. So Jacob called the, na the name of the place Peniel. For I have seen God face to face and my life is preserved. Just as he crossed over Penuel, the sun rose on him and he limped on his hip. Therefore, to this day, the children of Israel do not eat the muscle that shrank, which is on the hip socket, because he touched the socket of Jacob's hip and the muscle shrank. So we hear a story about Jacob and Jacob having an encounter with this man. And like I said, since it is capital M, we have the understanding biblically from the scholars, from the scribes, from the text, that this man would be maybe pertaining to Jesus himself, even before, or, or God in the flesh, or maybe an angel. Some people would say it may be an angel. But we know that angels do not have physical bodies. So how many of you know you cannot wrestle a spirit? Unless the Bible says we wrestle not against flesh and blood but against principality. That's a different wrestling. That's a different... This wrestling was the actual grappling wrestling. The wrestling that that New Testament verse declares is more of a struggle, a, a spiritual struggle. So this was not a spiritual being. It was actually... It came in bodily form. And this story actually changed... This moment in time changed the trajectory of Jacob's life. So I want us to take a look back and understand sino ba tong Jacob na to? And why is he so important to us today? And why do we need to hear his story? So you guys okay if we take a look at Jacob's life a bit? So let's start the time he was born. Talagang sagad, no? The time that Jacob was born. In Genesis 25, 24, 28 says this. So when her days, talking about the, the mother of Jacob, were fulfilled for her, to give birth. Indeed, there were twins in her womb, just like me. And the first came out and he was red. He was like a hairy garment. Scary, no? Para siyang si May May na naging fox. Kilala niyo si May May? So di ba si May May naging hairy red fox, malaking hairy red fox. But this wasn't a hairy red fox. This was, this was a guy that when he came out, this, the child was, was hairy. Balbon. Talk about balbon, no? Balbon. Tapos ang pagkabalbon niya, pula. Parang yung upuan na inupuan nyo. Imagine that. He came out. He was red. He was furry. He was hairy. And they called his name. Where am I? I lost my place. And he was like a hairy garment all over. They called him Esau. Because the name Esau means red. Alright? So how many of you know that names are very important to the Israelites. And how many of you know names are important to you too? Listen, have you ever been called a name? 
Not just been given a name. Have you ever been called a name? You know, have you ever been called, you know, ang tigas-tigas ng ulo mo! Diba? That you actually went to the wall and tried banging your head to see how tigas your head was? Ako lang ba? Nakarelate? Have you ever been called a name by somebody that it stuck to you? That you began to believe it every time? You know, I grew up and people were saying this to me, Eti boy, baboy, eti boy, baboy. Nice, no? Puti, kanina may tumawa ng malakas eh. Sabi ko, grabe, oh. I'm bleeding here, tapos pinagtawanan pa ako, no? But how many know that hurts? No, sticks and stones will break your bones, but words will never, no, words will scar you for life. You're called stupid, you're called useless, you're called illegitimate. Ampon ka lang, kanjang ka lang. Hindi ka totoong anak. How do you know it will begin to change your behavior? Come on. Did you hear me? Nobody likes to be called names. Because how many of you know your name actually determines your identity? So they called him Esau because that's how he looked. He was just a, re, a, be, a little red furry ball. And so his name was Esau. You know, there, there, there's a, there was a time in the, early, in the late 90s where there was this story in the Bible that, you know, that talked about the prayer of Jabez. Have you ever heard that? The prayer of Jabez. Oh, that may, I may not cause harm, that I may cause peace, that the Lord would bless me. You know, they, they, and a lot of people, they, were so, they so loved this prayer of Jabez, they bought the book, and they started naming their children Jabez. And it was like, ang cute ng pangalan, ang pangalan anak mo. And that year, the most uso name among Christians for Christian males were Jabez. But the problem was, the name Jabez means to cause pain. And now they're realizing na <laughs> they've been calling their child causing pain and they're saying, bakit ang ganun anak ko? Bakit ang niya? You called him to cause pain. So what do you expect? Be careful what we call our children. Nowadays, parents, and any parents here? Diba, dati yung mga parents, yung mga usong pangalan is yung ano, ano pangalan ng magulang ko? Yun na lang pangalan ng anak ko. Or ikokombine ko ang pangalan ng magulang ko. Ruben at saka Estrella. Roelia. San pangalan ng Roelia? Wala, Ruben at saka Estrella, Relia. Di ba? So obvious, if, if James Reed and Nadine Nustrig would have stayed together, their first child would have been called Jadine. Di ba? Why? Because they, people like putting names together. Tama po ba? Come on, are you hearing me? So that's why be careful what you call the name. But, but nowadays, parents are smart. They go online. They start looking, ano ba meaning ng pangalan na to? They don't just name their son Stephen Curry. Ay. Ay, meron pala, no? Because it's their favorite player, but the word, the names have meanings. The, he's not called St- Steph because of Stephen Curry, because my name is Etienne, Etienne is Stephen, and so, never mind. You understand what I meaning? What I mean, Sorry. What I'm meaning, sorry, ah. Nabulul na ako, Roel, yeah. 
But do you understand what I'm saying? People nowadays are more careful with the names that they call their children because it identifies them. So let's go back to the story of the little red ball. It says, afterwards, his brother came out and his hand took a hold of Esau's heel, so they named him Jacob. So why is it so important? What is the whole point of him holding the heel of his brother? Well, first and foremost, they were twins. So in essence, if you like to say, they're, the, they're supposed to be the same age. Do we have any twins here? You are a twin, anybody? Or maybe you know somebody who is a twin? Yeah, okay, good. So, so with them, in the Israeli culture or the Jewish culture or the Hebrew culture, these were Isaac and Rebekah's firstborn. And according to culture, there is something special about the firstborn. What is it about the firstborn that is so special? So let's take a look at Scripture. Deuteronomy 21, 15 to 17. Look at this. If a man has two wives, parang teleserya, no? The one he loved and the other is unloved. Parang napanood ko na to. Parang may show dati na ganito. May isang winaman. Never mind. And they both bore him children, both from the loved and the unloved. If the firstborn son is from her who is unloved, then it shall be on the day that the father would give his possessions to his sons that he must not bestow firstborn status on the son of the one that he loves in preference to the son of the unloved. The true firstborn. But he shall acknowledge the son of the unloved wife as the firstborn by giving him a double portion of all that he has for he is the beginning of his strength, and the right of the firstborn is his. So there are two, there are two important things to know about being the firstborn or the right of the firstborn. Number one, you get a double portion. What does it mean for double portion? Let's say you are four brothers and you have, you have inherited 100 million pesos. 100 million pesos. Clear? The firstborn will get 40 million. Every other son will get 20 million. Did I do my math correct? Huh? Mali? 20, 40, 60, plus 40, 100. Tama? Tama? I got the math right. Thank you, Lord. I'm still good in math, bu. I can still do it. The other, the other children say, Bakit we're all the same children? But according to Jewish culture, the firstborn will always get double. If one child, if each child gets two, two goats, he will get four goats automatically. So there's a double inheritance. How many of you like that double inheritance? And you see, it's very important to talk about Isaac because Isaac was the guy that we see in the Bible that said that when Isaac sowed in the land of famine, he reaped the very same year a hundredfold. And this same Isaac prospered in the land of famine, began to prosper, continued to prosper, until he became very, very prosperous. Madami siyang prospero, prosperous. Got it? So this guy wasn't just rich. He was really, really, really rich. 
So of course, his firstborn would be able to get the, the lump sum of the inheritance. And as we know, they're just, it ended up just the two of them, Esau and Jacob. Now, aside from the inheritance, the next thing that was very important was the, was the position. Not just the inheritance, but the position. Because the firstborn would now be in charge of everything. Siya na magiging father ng pamilya when the father passes away. So that is, I believe, the reason that even in the womb of his mother, Jacob grabbed a hold of his brother. Saying, eh, teka lang. Hindi ikaw ako muna. Talk about crab mentality, right? He was trying to pull him back and that's why they named him Jacob. Because the word Jacob literally translated means to pull the heel of another. He was holding, imagine, no, you take out the baby. It's a boy! Ano yan? Imagine the doctor, no, paghahugot. It's a boy! Bakit may isa pang kamay? And the other brother is like, kapit mo ang besh! Huwag kang bibitaw, sabay tayo lalabas! Hindi ka pwede mauna, besh! Eh si besh, gulong-gulo na yung buhok niya. Pabrush nga. Buong katawan, brunash eh. He wanted that. But there's, not, there's something about the name Jacob that's even more than just holder of the heel or grabber of the heel. The word Jacob actually means supplanter or identity theft. Somebody who steals your identity. He didn't want his brother to be the firstborn. He wanted to be the firstborn. So he was trying to steal that from his brother. And so they called him Jacob. And as we continue, we can see here in the story that Jacob wanted that. He wanted to be the firstborn. That was something in his mind constantly, that he wanted to be the firstborn because there were benefits. But aside from that, when we continue reading, let's put back the verse up. Yeah, right. It says, Isaac was 60, 60 years old when, he, when Rebekah bore them. So the boys grew and Esau was a skillful hunter, a man of the field. But Jacob was a mild man, meaning tamad siya, dwelling in the tents. And Isaac loved Esau because he ate of his game, but Rebekah loved Jacob. See, this is something that I believe too, something Jacob desired as well. Every son desires the love of a father. Every son desires the affection of, the fa of a father. Yes, I, I know there are times that fathers are non-existent in a child's life. Whether it be a man, a, a male child, or a female child. Many fathers maybe work abroad for many years. And so the mother has to step up and take the place. And that's why I really applaud mothers who, who have stepped up in absentee fathers. But there is a longing in children for the love of both parents. Amen? And the acceptance of both parents. And it's going to be hard for a child to know that daddy loves him more than daddy loves me. Yeah, I'm a mama's boy. But how come daddy loves Esau more? 
See, I grew up as a middle child. Not my parents' fault. Not my fault. But I had that understanding, thinking my brother's older, he's the favorite. My sister, who's younger than me, is the only girl, and she's the youngest. So she's the favorite too. So I ended up growing up thinking that I was the unloved one. Hence, I never asked for anything. I never got new things because my brother would get, I'd get his hand-me-downs. Or sometimes they would buy, since we're only two years apart, they would buy us matching clothes. I never had my own real identity because I was always wearing the same thing my brother wore. Thanks, Ma. Looks the same. Thanks. And I, I think I grew up too fast to get the hand-me-downs from my brother. But one of the hardest things for me was when it came to choosing toys, he always had first choice because he was the eldest. So even if I wanted something, he would always pick it. So I became smart. So I would say, wow, I really like that. But I really didn't like it. And because I liked it, he would end up picking that. No, that's mine, mom. He's getting what I like again. No, I chose it. I'm first. Mom, the money. Why this? <laughs> Jacob, no. So you, but you see, because of that, my I was so insecure. I never felt love. And I was so afraid to share love with others because I was so afraid to be rejected. But I don't think my parents rejected me. It's what I felt. I guess it was an issue that I had. And many of us, we, ha we have issues like that in life. And we carry that not just as child, but even as adults. And how many of you know that can affect your destiny, that can affect your calling, how you see yourself? Jacob had two problems. He wanted his brother's identity. He wanted to be the firstborn. And number two, he wanted the love of his father. So he devised a plan. Not really a plan. Again, he was kind of wise. So in the very next verse after that, it says, Now Jacob cooked the stew, and Esau came from the field. And he was weary, and Esau saw Jacob. He said, Please feed me the same red stew, for I am weary. Therefore, his name was called Edom. And Jacob said, sell me your birthright. Have you ever done that? Kuya, kuya, can I, can, I, ano, can, I, can I have that? No, no. What do, you, what do you want? You want this? You're not going to eat it now, right? No, no. Tell me, give me your favorite toy, and then I will give you this. But you're not going to eat it anymore. Give me your favorite toy. Then you eat. So here's the problem. He was so hungry. And he said, sell me your birthright this day. And Esau said, look, I'm about to die. What good is a birthright to me? Jacob said, swear to me this day. So he swore that day and he sold him his birthright. And Jacob gave Esau the bread and the lentils. They ate, they drank, they rose and went his way. And Esau despised his birthright. I thought, maybe I'm thinking Esau never really thought that Jacob would still get the birthright. You can have my birthright. I can always say I never gave it. My, I'm my father's favorite anyway. And when my father dies, I'm still the one he's going to call. So, never mind. I'll just tell my brother he can have it. So how many of you know he got the first thing that he wanted? 
He got the birthright. He got the identity. But how many of you know it was not the right way? Come on, did you hear me? He swindled his brother. He used a wrong tactic to get that identity. And many times we do things in life not really the right way to be able to get somewhere or to do something. And sometimes we are labeled by what we do. And can anybody ever relate to that? You know, you do things and then you realize it's not the right way to do it, but everybody else is doing it this way. But then deep inside you know, deep inside your heart you know it's wrong. And what happens is you have guilt and condemnation. And how many of you know guilt and condemnation is a robber of identity? It steals our true identity. Are you still there? Are you still there? Are you sure? So he got the birthright. But now, what happened was this. Isaac was about to die. And Isaac knew that he was going to give his birthright to his favorite, to Esau. So he called Esau into his room. Isaac was there. Rebecca was there. I'm not going to read the verse. It might take too long. Isaac was there. Rebecca was there. He called Esau. Esau, my son, I'm about to die. I want to eat one of the animals that you catch. So go now, catch the animal, prepare it for me. I will eat and then I will bestow to you your blessing or your birthright blessing. But how many of you know that Jacob was the favorite of Rebecca? So she went out, she called her son, Jacob, you better do something, my son, because right now your father is about to pass away and he's going to give his blessing. He's going to give this birthright to, to Esau. So what I want you to do, son, is I want you to wear Esau's clothes so that you smell like him. Because Jacob was always indoors. Esau was outdoors. How many of you know the ones who stay out a lot smell different than the ones who stay in a lot? Yes? They have power. Outside. Inside, no power. Outside, very powerful. Understood? So Esau smelled like the animals he caught. So he put on Esau's clothes. Then he also put a fur, a fur on his arms, animal skin on his arm to make him feel. At this point, Isaac's eyes were not too good. And then he was able to get an animal, and he brought that animal to his father, Jacob. And he said, Father, here, it's I, your son, your favorite son. And he goes, well, you sound kind of different. Can, can you come closer? So he, he held the arm of Jacob. But since it was fur... He felt it and he said, oh, furry, may, may. But he felt it. And then he smelt him. Come here, son. And he smelt him. And he smelt like animal. So he said, this must be. So he ate. Isaac ate. And right after that, Isaac began to bestow a blessing. How many of you know that when parents, when you bless your child, you show your child that you love them? Come on. Did you hear me? Parents, bless your children. It's a sign that you show that you love them. So now Isaac, uh, Jacob got the second thing he wanted. His father's love, his father's blessing. But again, he did it the wrong way. He deceived the supplanter, the identity theft. He already stole his brother's birthright the wrong way. Now he's stealing the blessing. And Isaac blesses his son and Isaac does and gives him the, the blessing of the firstborn. And Isaac and, and Jacob leaves the room and he's so happy. Then Esau comes home and he says, Father, I'm here. The father's like, who are you? Who are you? He says, me, it's your son. It's your favorite. It's like, no. 
I, my son just came from here. No, I went out to buy to get the beast. Here it is. No, I already ate. What do you mean you ate? And I already gave my blessing. And Esau cried out. And he was so much in pain. And he said, no, it cannot be. Don't you have any blessing left for me? And he said, ah, Hulana, I gave it all to your brother. I can just bless. I can pray for you, but, but that's it. I cannot give you. I cannot give you anymore. And Esau was so upset. So Rebecca ran out and he, she told Jacob, Jacob, you better run. Because your brother is really upset. The Bible says this about Esau. Genesis 27, verse 38. It said, So Esau hated Jacob because of the blessing that which the father blessed him with. And Esau said in his heart, The days of mourning for my father are at hand. Then I will kill my brother Jacob. This is verse 38, uh, Genesis 27, 38. And he cried out, and he did this. Ah, sorry, that's for verse 41. I'm sorry. Verse 41 pala tayo. He said he was going to kill his brother. So Rebecca said, son, go to my brother's house. Go to my brother Laban. Laban, Laban, bawit. Go to my brother Laban and stay there. Hide there so he cannot go to you. And so Jacob went. And when he went to his uncle's house, Jacob fell in love with his cousin. Now, I'm sure some of you are kind of weird out right now. Ew. Cousin, yuck. <laughs> What's going on here? But how many of you know culturally that was normal in their time? Actually, Laban said, it is better that my daughter marry you because we're family than she marry another tribe or another person. But this is what I want you to see. And remember this. Galatians 6-7 says this. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. What happened to Jacob? So, so Jacob told Laban, and he said, Laban, I'm going to serve you seven years for the hand of Rachel. He had two daughters. The firstborn was Leah. And the secondborn was Rachel. He said, I love Rachel. I will serve you seven years for the hand of Rachel. Laban said, good. So seven years he served. And after seven years, they had a wedding. And when they got to the wedding and he lifted the veil, after they said, I, I do, he lifted the veil, he realized he married the wrong daughter. Actually, Laban tricked him. Because Leah was actually cross-eyed. And she would not be able to find the husband. So ang ginawa ni Laban to make sure that Leah would find the husband, since she was, the, again, the firstborn, how many of you know the firstborn usually got the preferential treatment? So he put her there. And, and, and Jacob was tricked. Jacob was deceived. Remember, what you sow, you will reap. So now he was reaping the consequences of his actions. But he did not love Leah. He loved Rachel. So you know what the Laban said? Okay, you want the Rachel? I already did. That's why I served you seven years. Okay, serve me again. And then afterwards, you can have Rachel. So he ended up marrying the two daughters. Not only did he marry the two daughters, he ended up having children with the two daughters and their two uh, maidservants. That's why you see in the story here, as we read earlier, that he was with his two wives, 
the two servants, and these are the four mothers of his 11 children. He only had two kids with Rachel. One was Joseph, and we know who Joseph is. And the other was not born yet in this story, and his name was Benjamin. And you could see in the, in the Bible that the favorite of Jacob was Joseph and Benjamin. Why? Because those were the two that he got from his real love. You understand? Understand the story? You see, how does that relate to you and me today? How does this story, Edward, you can come up now. How does this story relate to you and me today? How can we relate? You see, many times in our lives, we've lived a certain way, and our actions and the things that we did, I want to put my hand over here to say our past life or our past. Many times our past, we lived a certain way, and, and what happens, like what Jacob did, is he ran away from his past, thinking that if he ran away, his past would never come back to haunt him. Because every time he would remember the past, it would bring him condemnation and it would bring him guilt and would bring him regret. And how many of you know it's hard to live a life if you're constantly living in condemnation, living in guilt, and living in regret? He thought that he can be a different person. But every time he tried to be a different person, there was always a reminder of the past, the mistakes that we did. Many times we are trying to move forward in life, to get over that hump that we can get to the place where God wants us to be, when we're free of condemnation, free of guilt, and free of shame. And we think that running away would be the answer, but how many of you know, no matter how far you try to run, it's always going to come back. You see, the story was this. Before he, when he was in this place, angels appeared to him. And angels said, your brother is looking for you. And your brother has 400 men, and he's been looking for you. It's been how many years? Seven years, Ligao Kailea. Seven years, Ligao Kay Rachel. Fourteen years. They had 11 sons. Eleven kids. Let's just say it's been over 20 years. And still, his past is haunting him. That he cannot run away from Jacob, from who he is, and the things that he has done. He is trying to be a good husband to his two wives. He's trying to be a good man to his good father to his 11 kids. He's trying to make things right in his life, but yet his past is always haunting him, always. And he's wrestling with this. And he can just never seem to go over there. But it says here in Genesis chapter 32, verse 22, that that night he took his two wives, he took everything that he had, his wives, the servants, his 11 sons, things that was most dear to him. And he said, you go ahead. You cross over. I'm going to stay here. And he was alone. Sometimes we feel that we're alone in life, yet 
we are surrounded by so many blessings and yet we push the blessings away because we know when we're going to deal with the past, we don't want those blessings to be touched by the past. So we push them away. See, what Jacob was ready to do was he's ready to give up everything because he knew when he faced his past, if he faced his brother, he would be killed. And he didn't want the blessings that he had here to be touched by the mistakes that he did here. Can anybody relate to this story? And he was in this place called Jabok. And the word Jabok or Jabok or where we get the Jabawakis, he was this, in this place in Jabok. And the word Jabok actually means an emptying or a pouring out. It says he was in the fjord, and the fjord was a place where you would pass over. It would be a bridge that would connect one place from another. It's, there was a river, there was a brook, and he needed the fjord to go over, but yet he was in the place that he, before he could go over, he needed to be empty. When we're dealing with, when we're wrestling with our identity, when we're wrestling with the past, trying to come back to take us away from everything that we've already attained at the moment, we need to come to Jabok. We need to come to that place where we empty ourselves, where we humble ourselves. How do you know humility is the best place to start? Amen. When dealing with your past, with, when you're struggling, with wrestling with your identity, it's good to humble yourself. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. And in due season, He will exalt you. The best place to be in, in the time of wrestling is to be in a place of humility. It's to be in a place on your knees. And he was there and he was alone and he humbled himself. He was in that place of pouring out. He was in place of humility. He knew his judgment has finally come upon him. And he met God in that place. How do you know in our place of humility, that's where we see God clearly. He met God in that place and they began to wrestle. Now the word wrestle here was only used twice in the whole Bible. That's why those of you who are wrestling fans, wrestling is in the Bible two times. So we can justify wrestling. But the word wrestling here actually means to get dusty or to fall on the dust or to be in the midst of the dust. Parang, parang cartoons, pag nakikipag-away yung mga tao, Di ba pag cartoons, nakikita mo lang puro, uh, puro smoke? Di mawawala yung smoke. Tapos suntukan na naman, it's all smoke. Ako lang ba? Nakaka-relate ba kayo dyan sa picture na yan? Thank you, Lord. May nakaka-relate din. See, to wrestle means to be in the dust. Here was this man, Jacob, the trickster, the identity theft. The thief who stole his brother's birthright, who stole his brother's blessing, on his knees wrestling in the middle of the dust. And here was God grabbing him, placing his hands on him. It reminds me of a time when God put his hand on the dust 
And God grabbed a hold of that dust and formed it. And He made man and He... And the man became alive. Here He was wrestling with this man. And God was going to do something new. The clay in the potter's hand. The clay that was Jacob's life in the potter's hand. Jesus. And when it said that he walked away from that situation different. But listen, before your walk could change, your identity needs to change first. Because being always precedes doing. Before his life, he lived his life a different way, there needed to be a change in his life. And he wrestled with God and God said, come on, let me go, the sun's coming up. And if you're going to see my face, you will not be able to live in my glory because nobody saw, sees God's face and lives. And Jacob said, no, I will not let go. Listen, when you're struggling with your identity, when you're wrestling with your identity, don't run away from God. More you press in. You, let, you grab a hold of Him and you say, God, I'm not going to let go until you show me. I will not let go until you bless me. God said, you want to be blessed? Yes! What's your name? I'm a thief. No, you're not a thief. You're Israel. See, the word Israel means to contend with God. But when every time you contend with God, God always wins. So Israel literally means God won. His name was changed from stealing somebody's identity to God's God won. Talk about a testimony. See, your testimony is God winning in your life. And when God wins, how many of you know you win too? He changed his name to God won. God prevail. And no longer was he now a thief now. He was a soldier of God. He was a contender with God. He was a fighter with God. And God has won His rightful place in His life. And that is why God blessed him afterwards. And He called that place Peniel. And the word Peniel means, I have come face to face with God. Literally, it means He turned to God and faced God. See, you know what it means to turn away from your past and to face God? That's repentance. See, what we see here is a picture of repentance. True change can never happen without repentance. Do you hear me? Many people say, don't call me this. Don't call me that. Don't label me by my parents' mistakes. I'm different. But my question is, have you repented? See, when there is no repentance, when there's no humility, when there's no repentance, you're not going to see change. And unfortunately, you're going to end up repeating the same mistake. Because you can't ignore the past. You can't ignore the failure. You can't ignore the mistakes and the consequences. It's going to come and get you. 
But God gives us an answer. And that is turning away from your past and facing Him face to face. And that's what Jacob did. And after that day, he began to limp. And here's the wonderful ending to his story. You ready? He goes, he crosses over in the next day. His name is, and I love it, that Israel now was his name. And, but you have to see in the Bible that as we go forward in Jacob's story, he's still referred to as Jacob. But yet all his children now are no longer Jacob, but now they are children of Israel. Listen, when God comes in and changes your life and gives you a new identity, listen, it only it doesn't only affect you, but it affects the generations to follow. There's nothing you can change. Your Lolo was this way. Your father was this way. You will be this way. Your children will be this way. And your children's children will be this way. It's nakasulat in your fate. Tadhana. It's your destiny. You are destined for that generational curse. But let me tell you, in Christ, you are a new creation. Old things have passed away. Not only are you chained, but your children will be changed and their children will be changed. Not only is your name changed, but their names will be changed because of your obedience and their children's children will be names will be changed. And from generation to generation, because of your obedience, because of your turning away from the past and looking unto God, you have caused a generational blessing, not a generational curse but a generational blessing. Why? Because Jesus died on the tree having become accursed. So the blessings of Abraham can come to us, the Gentiles. Amen? We are no longer destined to relive the mistakes of our forefathers. We are no longer destined to relive the mistakes that even we have made. In Christ, you are a new creation. Just like Jacob, he comes in. And he sees Esau. And Esau's there with his 400 men. And he said, Patay. Here we go. He's limping. His walk is different. But he knows he's no longer that who he used to be. He's Israel now. God wins. Whatever happened, God wins. Even if I die today, God wins. And you know what his brother does? His brother runs to him. His brother hugs him. His brother falls to his feet and his brother kisses him. And I remember another story of repentance when the son returns to his father's house after living like a prodigal and instead of his father judging him, his father runs to him, his father hugs him, his father, they fall to his feet and his father kisses him. And do you know what jo uh, Jacob said to Esau when he saw Esau? He says, I don't see your face, the face of vengeance. I see in you the face of God. Just like the prodigal son seeing the father. Because that's how our father is. He's not going to judge us. He says, your sins and your lawless deeds, I remember no more. He sees us cleansed, washed by the blood of Jesus. Amen? Amen? 
So today, how does this fit in you and I's life? Acts chapter 2, verse 38 says, Peter said this, Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is to you and to your children and to all who are to come, as many as the Lord will call. Listen, when you come to Jesus, when you repent, when you face Jesus face to face in humility, the blessing comes to you. And that's the Holy Spirit. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13 to 14, it says, In Jesus Christ you also trusted, after you've heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance. You see, the Holy Spirit, just like, just like Israel, gives us our true inheritance. Amen? When you turn to Christ, you get your inheritance. What else did Jacob want? Oh, his identity. 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, We can all draw close to Jesus with the veil removed from our faces, and with no veil we all become like mirrors. The Bible says in another version, when someone turns to Jesus, when someone gives their life to Jesus, the veil is removed. We are all being transfigured or changed into the very image of Jesus as we move from one brighter level of glory to another. This glorious change comes from Jesus, who is the Spirit. Guess what? When we turn to Christ, we become like Christ. Your identity is secured. Your inheritance is secured. Amen? Just like Jacob becoming Israel, we become new creation. Our identity is in Christ and our inheritance is in Christ. The blessings are ours in Jesus' name. He, I want to end with Hebrews chapter 12. It says, looking away from your past, from all that will distract you, and look to who? To Jesus, who is the leader and the source of our faith, giving the first incentive for our belief. He's also its finisher, bringing it to maturity and perfection. Amen? Jesus is the one who takes us from our past into our future. When your identity is secure, your future is secured as well. Amen? Did you get something today? Come on, let's give Lord praise right now. Maybe you're here today and you're wondering, wow, that was a good message, but does that apply to me? Absolutely, yes. If you've ever wrestled with condemnation, with regret, with guilt, with a false identity that has been placed on you, I want to let you know today that the very God who created Adam is grabbing a hold of you right now by His Spirit. And if you would humble yourselves and say, Lord, I need you, He will take that broken vessel and like the the potter taking the clay in his hands once again he will begin to mold you and shape you and change you to your true identity if you're here today and you're saying Lord 
take me, mold me, use me. I give my life to the potter's hand. Then just say, lift your hand, shut your eyes, and pray this prayer with me right now. Come on, let's all do this right now. Father Jesus, I thank you that I can come to you today. We can come to you today. And we can leave our past. We can leave our regrets. We can leave our failures and our mistakes and our consequences. We're not running away from it, God. We're dealing with it right now. But the only way we can deal with that is we need to take that and bring it to Jesus. Bring it to the cross. And I thank you, Jesus, that you nailed my past. You nailed my old identity. You, you nailed it all on the cross. Take my life. Take all of me, Lord God. I give it all to you today, Lord God. And I take and ask you to take it. And just as you rose from the dead to give me a new life, Lord, I thank you that I can walk in that new life right now. I can walk in the life that you have for me. Jesus Christ, take my life. Take all of me. Take it, Lord God. Take it, Lord God. I love you, all of my hope is in you, Jesus Christ, take my life, take all of me. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that as we surrender in humility, you take our life and you give us, you call us by a new name. You call us beloved. You call us changed. You call us a child of God. You call us redeemed. You call us forgiven. You call us sanctified. You call us righteous. You call us clean. You call us a loving mother. We call us a great father. You call us an obedient child. You call us how you see us, Lord God. And I thank you, Lord, that we can stand here today. Heads lifted high. Facing you face to face. Knowing that he who began a good work in me is faithful to complete it. And Lord, we pray this all today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. Come on, let's give God praise. Thank you for listening to this week's Home is Live podcast. Connect with us through Kumu, Instagram, YouTube, or Facebook. Welcome home.